You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. As we get closer and closer, by the time most of you get to this, it'll be nine days out of the 2021 NFL Draft. Located where again? Yes, folks. Cleveland, Ohio. If you didn't get to it earlier today, um, I did a piece, and this is something new we're going to do here, just on you know positional groups that you know kind of fit the Browns. I'm going to get to these next couple episodes. I'm going to give you a player in all seven rounds that could maybe fit the bill as far as positional needs. Uh, first couple of segments we're going to do here tonight. We're going to talk with. Will Larrick. Will, Will's a good friend of the show. We've had a lot of communication uh, for a while now. He said he was going to put together a big board. I said, holler at me when you're good to go. We'll get you on the show. He's good to go. We're going to get a different voice in here this evening. You know, Will has done a complete big board, but obviously, you know, for you listeners, we're going to keep this a little bit more Brown specific. And of course, you know, what has come and, you know, the findings through, you know, Will's work and the board he's prepared. So again, Lockdown Browns, your host, Jeff Lloyd. Make sure you were following over there. DMs are open. Um, at the show itself, at Lockdown Browns, follow back account, DMs are open, as everybody knows, and whether it's iTunes, whether it's Spotify, whether it is the brand new Odyssey app, make sure you are following the Lockdown Browns podcast, five-star rating reviews, ratings and reviews are fantastic. Also, please check out on Odyssey, we have partnered to do our ultimate mock drafts, every host from the Lockdown NFL channel, we even involve some college hosts. Michael Urban's involved, Brian Baldinger, they're commenting on picks. I'm almost nervous and sweating about my picks. I kind of wish I knew these guys were going to be involved when I did make the pick. Um, different story for another day, but uh, make sure you're checking all that out. Yeah, it's a big project, uh, kind of a birth of our partnership with Odyssey. We're all excited about it. They're excited about it. Great job by the uh, Lockdown NFL team here. Uh, joining, as I said, at Will Larrick. Will, first things first, how you doing today? Good, sir. Great, man. Thanks for having me on. And uh, let me say, it's an honor to be on a program that's followed by the GOAT, Joe Thomas, on Twitter. Feel like bringing Joe's that a good man. Joe's a good guy. Yeah. And I will thank all of that to that lovely end zone celebration down in Nashville. Once that tweet, <laughs> yeah. so once I think, that put that tweet up, that got pretty big. <laughs> so I think, guess I'll start here by just talking about, you know, what I've done. You mentioned the big board that I've been working on here. Um, like most Browns fans, most of my, especially most young Browns fans, most of my Browns fandom has centered on the draft as my Super Bowl. And uh, growing up as a kid, dad said, you know, they always talk about who Mel Kuyper's picks are and who these other people's picks are. But, you know, 10 years later, there's not a board showing us what did they get right? What did they get wrong? Who should we trust? Who's more reliable? You've got your ESPNs and your CBSs, which kind of take a more traditional approach to these players, size, speed, 40 times, et cetera. You've got your analytics guys, your draft network, your PFF, your PFN. So I figured I'd put together a board that has all those, as well as my good friend Tom Downey over at Chat Sports, and uh, figure out where these boards come together, who's got some weird variances going on here and uh, disparities in approaches and players so just figured more information for us to talk about as we get excited for the draft here in nine and a half days well now you got to make sure you have it copied will and this way you can go back in oh, a yeah. few years and you can certainly find ways to, but the first thing will is is you got to find a way why it didn't work that wasn't your fault though 
You got to use your key terms. He was put in the wrong system. Uh, the kid was too yeah. young. And for you, this is a great time to yep. do it because you can blame a lot of it on, hey, it was the weirdest year ever. A lot of guys opted out. There was COVID. So, you know, make sure you, you know, you cover in your bases as far as that's concerned. Uh, offensive yep, side and of the ball here. Plan. <laughs> offensive <laughs> side of the ball here. Um, in looking, you know, look, in, in with nine selections, and I think for the most part, most people believe don't believe the Browns will make nine selections. But mm-hmm. with four wide receivers uh, who could possibly be off the roster after 2021 in Jarvis Landry, in Odell Beckham Jr., Rashard Higgins, uh, Kadero Hodge, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones is the only, you know, kid of the room, essentially. And it seems with an analytic front, you want to get ahead of something one year ahead. You certainly don't want to end up to the point where you say, oh, no, we're going to have to completely rebuild a wide receiver room, you know, on the fly in one offseason. That's just not the analytic approach and how you do things. So talk a little bit about, about your wide receiver rankings here. And I did a show earlier today, and I'm just going through the names. I mean, and you could probably make a case easy, I'd say, for anywhere from seven, eight, nine guys who could legitimately maybe find a way to be called within the top 32. Oh, yeah. And in fact, I've even got here the fact that I just looked at the top 100 and you've got 14 wide receivers across these big boards that slot into the top 100. Um, So wide receivers deep. I mean, you've got your top echelon guys. Everybody knows about your Waddle, your Smith, your Chase. Um, I kind of like to put Bateman and Terrence Marshall kind of in that next group. Uh, I know there's a lot of talk around Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore. both good, both good fits, I think, for the Browns. Uh, some might not like Rondale's size. Um, I, I think I have the same approach that you do of, look, if you've got the speed, if you've got the hands, it doesn't matter as much about the size as it used to. Uh, just get open. Um, so I think you've got right around where the Browns are, if they stay at 26, which I'm not sure they will. Uh, I think Marshall is sitting right there, depending on if he goes to Tennessee or not. Um, otherwise, if the Browns approach is to go offense here at 26, I think they move down. Um, I definitely think that's where, I know you've talked about it a lot, um, on the podcast already, but I think that's where a guy like Elijah Moore slots in perfectly, uh, ranked here on this board as wide receiver eight, 37 overall, or 36 overall, excuse me. Um, and I think that's, you know, at top of the second round, end of the first round is about where the Browns would move down to. I can't see them moving up to take one of those other guys. Um, I think you're going to have a Bateman or a Marshall there. I don't know if the Browns have one of them ranked higher and say Tennessee takes one of them or um, another team that, you know, I can imagine moving up ahead of the Browns as a team like Baltimore if they're really as set on getting a wide receiver as at least their fan base wants them to be. Um, the problem yeah, is, is they don't them. know what wide receiver they want for right. Lamar Jackson yet. That's the problem. Yeah. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Hey, uh, send us over Hollywood. I mean, I'll take him. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have a problem with the Browns taking wide receiver here. Uh, I know it's going to be a lot of Browns fans who are dying to now replace Sheldon Richardson. Um but I think if the Browns are planning on going weapons and offense, I think you move down or you take somebody in the second. That still makes sense from an analytics perspective. And it makes sense from a board perspective that there's just 
you're not going to get that top, top tier of talent, a wide receiver. So if you're looking at positional value, I think you move down. Yeah, um, and we've we've talked about this. I mean, the Browns might want to get themselves in a position of where maybe 26, you know, you know, the rubber doesn't necessarily meet the road there, but you drop back and whatever you can acquire in that, then all of a sudden you realize that maybe two swings of the bat in the top 50, the top 45, whatever. So maybe whatever you get in return from dropping down from 26, you then apply that capital, maybe take 59, get yourself up maybe 10, 15 slots, get yourself in a more comfortable position where you're getting basically two bites of the top 50 Apple of players within this class. Um, on the other offensive side of the ball here, and look, I'm not sure, and I don't, and we did this last year, and the Browns were a little bit more offensive than we thought that we were going to. But what other group within your board, within your rankings, will stand out to you? Not necessarily just for the Browns, but as a strong, strong group, in your opinion. Well, like most people have talked about, offensive line is, in the first round at least, um, pretty deep. The problem with that is there are just so many teams that need offensive linemen. I mean, you've got to figure teams, not just higher up like maybe Miami or the, obviously the Bengals, Atlanta, the Giants, but especially right there where the Browns are, right ahead of them. Uh, Indianapolis <laughs> desperately needs a left tackle. Tennessee, we all know what's going on there at tackle. Um, <laughs> and then even arguably the Jets. Pittsburgh, clearly, if they do the smart thing and not the stupid thing and take a tackle instead of a running back. Um, so I don't – and I don't really see the need for the Browns to take a tackle. I know you have the whole opt-out with Conklin after this year. Um, and there's questions about Teller with guard. Um, you do have a lot of those tackles that are up on this board, like Elijah Vera Tucker. I was kind of surprised that he's as high as he is. He's got an overall grade of 18. Um, I think that evaluation is as a guard, but you know that with so many of these teams needing tackles that one is likely to take him and try and fit that square peg into that round hole of offensive tackle first. So I don't, I don't really see the Browns going to line. My God, they've already got like 10 guys who aren't starters that they're going to have to sift through for this year. Um, but other than that, it's, you know, are you replacing Nick Chubb? I don't think so. And you better not be doing it in the first round, especially for an analytics team. So, <laughs> yeah. No, I could agree with you more. And, look, that's all the more better. I mean, look, the Browns are probably going to have to face a lot of these, whereas you could easily see Cincinnati. You could see Pittsburgh, uh, Baltimore, if they can't rectify the Orlando Brown situation. Every one of these teams. And Cincinnati, look, you got the new uniforms. You got the quarterback, for God's sakes. I understand Jamar Chase is appealing. Good Lord, <laughs> protect your investment. For God's sakes, protect the kid. That's all I'm going to say on that one. We're going to flip it up. We're going to the defensive side here. Uh, we'll go through Will's board a little bit as far as what lines up as far as, you know, what the Browns are possibly looking for. More coming as Will Larrick joins Jeff Lloyd here on the latest Locked on Browns. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football, maybe over. College basketball, maybe over. But the NBA, the NHL, MLB, and NFL uh, NFL draft prop bets are all available. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality television. Real-time, updated odds, and props on almost anything you can imagine. 
Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code all caps, no space, locked on. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Now, Will, on the defensive side of the ball, obviously we had spent a ton of this offseason talking about adding edge. And then I go out Thursday and I put out a mea culpa saying how important it is that I don't see any reason to move on from Sheldon Richardson unless he can take a cap hit. And about 3.45 Friday afternoon, the Browns say, Jeff, we heard what you said, and we have not released Sheldon Richardson. Uh we're still not sure what the plan is going to be for defensive tackle. Obviously, we talked about it on the show with Pete a little bit. Um, if you're going to go so much more nickel and dime, are you interested in some bigger edges, which could maybe explain the acquisition of Jadavian Clowney? Miles certainly applies to that. I talked this morning how maybe Gregory Russo is somebody that we shouldn't automatically dismiss just due to his size and his length as somebody who could play in the middle, and certainly had success there in his one-year ball at Miami. But some holes are now here on the defensive line. Obviously, a defensive tackle. Um, certainly, you maybe want to add another edge here. It's great that Tech McKinley's here. It's great that Jadavian Clowney's here. But if both these players succeed, like the Browns are hoping, there's a good chance neither one of them are here for 2022. And again, another one of these situations where maybe you want to get in on this situation, Will, one year early as opposed to having another big reclamation project on your hands in the 2022 offseason. Yeah, and perhaps a bit of a hot take here on my part, but I don't know how much cutting Richardson really changes the Browns' plan. I'm with you as far as I would have liked to have kept him, but I think their plan, at least the one that makes sense to me right now, is still to go edge with one of those top two picks. And then I think the role we're going to see is we're going to see a lot of clowny inside, uh, especially in his interviews when they're talking to him and he's saying, one of the appeals that meeting with Barry and the Browns had to him was they talked about a lot of scheme fits that I like, a lot of things I can see myself doing. Maybe this is me reading too much into that, but I see, especially with his hand strength and a little bit of the trouble he's had in his bend and getting around edges lately, I can see him lining up a lot inside. Um, obviously, we know they like to move miles around. Um, they just drafted Jordan Elliott last year. Maybe they still want to see. I know three technique is especially a position it takes rookies a while to figure out. Uh, they have Malik Jackson there for depth or to use him on the edge. I think we're still going to see the approach of we're getting an edge for the future. We have Miles on the other side of our line. Maybe they go kind of with the same approach that they've been taking the linebacker. I mean, analytics say don't necessarily value interior defensive line that much. Maybe we're going to continue to see a lot of one-year deals with vets like Malik Jackson and Andrew Billings kind of go in the cheap run-stuffing plug role for them. Uh, so I still think it's going to be edge that they focus on and just you kind of have to throw out the whole traditional view of a 4-3 defense and what each of those players looks like. Yeah, and this may be more of, you know, just a numbers game of, you know, look, there is, you know, there's some set identity of what we're going to do, but we want to play eight, we want to play nine, 
And it's going to be who needs a blow. Okay, well, all right. Now we have three defensive ends. We have one defensive tackle on field. Uh, and one of the reasons I did like Sheldon was the fact that you could use him as a versatile player. We've certainly seen him play outside. He did for the Browns in 2019 when, of course, Miles was suspended. And, of course, you know, Olivier Vernon was injured. That's one of the reasons. But you can also do this with Malik Jackson. So you can technically have three defensive tackles on the field between Billings, between <clears throat> Malik Jackson, and certainly between Jordan Elliott and have an edge on the field. And, and it's just anything. It's creating creativity. It's creating different looks. And it's allowing Joe Woods a lot more confident versatility to use this year as opposed to last year where, yeah, there was versatility, but it was because he had no choice at times. Um, now, with the defensive tackle group, and this is one thing I've been trying to explain to you know some of the listeners here, Will, and everybody, oh, we just cut Richardson, you draft you know Christian Barmore. Um, you don't just say, well, okay, well, we'll just guarantee that we can get the number one defensive tackle in his class, and he has no competition. There's, you know, you could possibly not hear a defensive tackle's name called again until maybe pick 75, maybe even later after Barmar's uh, name is called. I put out a tweet today trying to, and it was, uh, I, I know it came from Peter King, explaining that this defensive tackle class is cheeks. It's just not very good. There is not much to it. You know, maybe you could add another billing. So, you know, it gives yourselves maybe you know, a couple of tanks. It'll work in goal line. It'll work in short yardage when you can, you know, want to keep using more athletic, longer guys. Um, does the board reflect this for you, that defensive tackle? It's a little bit barren, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, but, I mean, it's pretty much far more. And my retort to the idea that the Browns cut Richardson – with the idea of drafting Barmore as, okay, if that were the case, why wouldn't you have waited till after the draft to cut Richardson? Are you really going to bank on drafting a guy that you don't even know now if you're going to get him? Of course. The name of the game, in my mind, from this analytics approach is positional value. You were paying a guy $13 million to play one of the three positions that analytics doesn't value, interior defensive line, running back, and linebacker. So you draft an edge here. And you worry about potentially getting that extra one technique later on, but kind of like the same approach to linebacker, I think the Browns mostly look at this as they have their guys. If Billings goes down, you're possibly in trouble, or maybe they see Elliott as a guy who can is big enough that he can switch over to one technique. But otherwise, I really don't see that happening until the fourth or fifth round, especially looking forward. I mean, there's so many positions the Browns are going to have to worry about next year when it comes to extensions. It's not just Baker Mayfield and Ward, but it's guys like Teller. It's the tight end room. What happens if Ronnie they Harrison if is one of those players as yeah. well. Ronnie Harrison. I say Hooper goes out and has a bad year. All right. Now you're worried about, okay, you've lost him. You've potentially lost Najoku. Now you need a tight end next year. Uh, so I, the Browns, are not in a position where if they are going to draft for need, it's not going to be interior defensive line. It's going to be one of these other positions. Uh, yeah. And I see that as corner and edge. And that's what the board reflects too. That's where the value is. Okay. We're going to get to those in one second here. And Will was originally going to stick with us for two segments. We're going to make Will stick around for a third here because obviously a lot going on here, the defensive side of the ball. So Will say it's edge at 26, say you drop down 28, 29, 30, be it as it may for you, which edge is, which edge is the, the, is the, we're staying at 26. 
He's available. I am drafting this guy. For me, it's kind of the risk-reward, but for me, I'm going Jalen Phillips. I know you have the concussion issues, the medical issues. There is some talk about him potentially having talked that up a little bit to get out of a bad UCLA program. Maybe that's the case. It 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 certainly (laughs) seems like there was a caveat to, you're not releasing me from my scholarship. Okay, well, I found a doctor 750 miles away who says I shouldn't play ball anymore, so now I'm out. Right. So now the Browns have done their due diligence, so I trust that they know. They've had Phillips as one of the guys they've had in. Um, So if the medical stuff's a concern, I'm going Oshilari there. I know he struggled in some of the big games, like the Bama game, um, and you kind of want to see a little more consistency from him. But, yeah, for me, if if you're going edge and the Browns love one of those guys, I think the guys you're going to see drafted are either Phillips or Oshilari there. I think it's too much of a retro sigh at 26. If, if they love him, I mean, he's got great athletic ability. I think they're dropping down or using one of those second-round picks or moving up from a third-round pick. Uh, if Quiddy pays there, I think he and Ojolari are maybe two of the most NFL-ready guys, but I just don't see him being there. There's just too many teams that could take edge and might take edge because something else that they have of need goes down. Uh, like once all these tackles and wide receivers start flying off the board, I I don't know. Uh, Phillips could also be a guy that other teams fall in love with because he just has such a high ceiling. But conservative pick, I'm going Ojolari. High risk, but high reward, I'm going with Jalen Phillips. And uh, it, it's funny, though, because you see Jalen Phillips, you know, um, as far as, you know, his line on, you know, whether it's pick 17 and a half, it falls back as much as 28 and a half. And it does seem, and it was actually funny because I have you know, talked to some people lately where it's, um, you know, well, there's really no true number to the concussions Jalen Phillips has. And it's, it makes you think a lot of, you know, it was, you know, UCLA, UCLA obviously things weren't going very well for the program. Um, and Jalen Phillips just trying to find a way to get out of the program. We're going to get back. We're going to go to the secondary here with Will. Will Larishman killing it here on Locked on Browns. We're going to talk a little secondary here coming up in one second. RockAuto.com is the same for mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear, similar to what the airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require an account membership or log in. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on, all caps with a space in their how did you hear about us box so they know that locked on sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Now, Will, looking at the big board, we're going to get to the secondary. And obviously, they've done a fantastic job. You add your starting nickel. You add the third safety that we heard Joe Woods talk about well for almost 15, 16 months now, hoping for the health of a Grant Delpit. Ronnie Harrison had a strong first season here in Cleveland. But still, Greedy Williams, look, nobody knows anything. And look, it's 
and we get some flack about this. Look, Greedy Williams did not take a down last year. Played one practice, hit somebody, the shoulder nerve impingement, reared its ugly head again. He's been battling this with his days at LSU. Right now, you have a starting cornerback in Denzel Ward, and you have a player that this organization may like. We don't know. They didn't draft Greedy Williams. They certainly haven't seen him play yet. So I think people don't understand the emphasis of, A, an insurance policy for Greedy's health, but B, also that policy for the fact that we don't know where he truly stands with the way this organization is currently structured because nobody in the building brought Greedy to Cleveland. Yeah, and just to add on that, you have a GM who's on record as saying you can never have enough corners. Plus, Denzel Ward spoken like the former D back. He was great, but but he gets hurt every every year. So, I mean, if Denzel goes down, if Greedy has issues, you potentially have guys doctors looking at Greedy's shoulder saying, if he takes the wrong kind of hit again, it's over. He he's going to do lifelong damage, nerve damage. On top of that injury, I I just can't imagine that the Browns don't have corner as at least the highest position of need on this board. I mean, there could be somebody they have higher on their board, like an Ojolari, like a Pay or a Phillips or someone like that, that they end up taking because, hey, we're taking the best guy available. But that kind of nice crossroads of need as well as great players available, to me, is at corner. That's where my money is, that the Browns are taking at someone at 26. It's because a corner is there like a Greg Newsom. Um, whether that player is going to be there, however, I don't know. I think you're going to get down kind of like wide receiver. You're going to get down into that next tier of cornerbacks. Um, and I don't know how much they're going to value Asante Samuel's size, how much they're going to value Amela Fonwu. It seems, he seems like kind of, I know you love him. He seems like kind of a stretch at 34-ish. I'm looking more at taking him with like the second round pick. But if the Browns are are taking someone at 26 or even moving up a couple spots, I think it's because they're going corner. Um, I've heard a lot of Browns fans talking about, well, you got Troy Hill. Yeah, but the whole idea of Troy Hill is that he's your guy that you can line up in the slot to give you the Joe Woods defense. If you're having to pull him away, to cover the outside for a Greedy Williams, you're, you're not giving Joe Woods the ability to run with the versatility that he wants. And let's not do that again. So I, I got to believe they're taking a corner. Do you, do you want to see a guy like Tavier Thomas having to play nickel? Because I know I certainly don't want to see that again. And I love Tavier Thomas, but you just can't ask somebody to do things that they're not capable of. Yeah, and, and it just doesn't make sense in today's NFL and with – the defensive mind that we have in Joe Woods, who knows the value of these safeties in these corners, especially in creating pass rush, because we're not a blitzing team. So the more hits that you take to that secondary, the harder you make Miles Garrett's job, the harder you make Jadavian Clowney's job. So I've got to believe the emphasis is there. And like you said, you're worried about your future. You're not just worried about what you need right now. Greedy has another bad year or doesn't play. Then you got to worry about replacing him. You've got to get this extension done with Ward. So it makes sense to look ahead and try and draft that corner of the future anyway. Now, if, you know, essentially you could be most likely probably double dipping at the cornerback position here. 
Um, and there was one today, uh, Ian Wharton. I love Ian. He writes for Complex. Um, he, he put out a mock draft today, and he had the Browns taking Zayvon Collins. And look, we're not going to go any further with that. We're not. That's it. That's all we're going to mention. But right after that, the next three picks were were Caleb Farley, Elijah Moore, and Greg Newsom. And I know Ian, so I, you know, look, I, I retweeted it for him. I spoke nicely, of course, you know. And this is if you want people to talk back to you, don't disrespect us. That's the way it works. And you know, and I said, look, I would have taken any of the three players after that, and you know. And it yeah. would just because of the, from the size and all of that, as far as the two corners involved here, but you're looking at double dip here. So somewhere, whether it's maybe 89, whether it's 91, of course, we're just saying these numbers now arbitrarily because it all could change somewhere here, most likely maybe day three here. What's the name in your board here that you think you like, Will? That's another guy that you can get into this mix and could maybe turn out to be something of a force or a nice piece to have around, obviously on a rookie contract. I personally like Javon Holland. I don't know how well he necessarily fits with the Browns. He's got kind of a thinner frame. He's not elite in the slot. Uh, but I think he's a guy who could be sitting there for the Browns at, where are we at now, 56-ish. Um, I I think Tyson Campbell from Georgia is good. I don't know if he's – Georgia has uh, like 27 cornerbacks in his draft. <laughs> Yeah, and a lot of debate as to which of those two is is the better one. Um, well, I think Campbell and, has the better technique in game right now. Obviously, the way this works in the NFL is Stokes will go higher because he's got the better measurables and testing numbers. Yeah, and I think if you're looking to fit someone, given the secondary that you have, you have a smaller guy like Ward, this is where – my hesitation with a guy like a Nassante Samuel at 26 comes in of, do you really want two smaller guys? What are you going to do covering the bigger, like you've mentioned before, Chase Claypools, et cetera. Mm-hmm. That's where I like a guy like a Fichu I just think he's a little more developmental. Uh, he has all the physical tools. My only question with him is, okay, why didn't it translate as much into production? I know Pete's going to hate this comparison, although he's not as high on Melifonwu, but to me it's somewhat similar to an OA of you have all this, you're in the ACC, you've got the ability to go up against good Division I talent. Why didn't we see more production while you were there? Um, I don't know if that's a – I've seen some concerns that have to do with Oh, he just doesn't have that toughness factor to him. Of he, he doesn't hit guys or use his body the way that he should. Um, so maybe that's more of a developmental thing where you can work with him. Well, on, that was also said about cornerback one him. right now for the Browns back in the day yeah. as well. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think that's also where you having these minds like a Joe Woods. Uh, I think whoever you have there is only going to get better with time. The question is just where's that value at? And I think at 26, it's tough to see who they would take. If I'm the Browns, the guy you love is J.C. Horn. He doesn't have the medical concerns that a Newsom or a Farley has, but he's not going to be there at 26. He's not going to be there at 20. So I think the Browns either move down if they're in love with corner or they take a guy like Amel Afonwu in the second round. I, I can see it. I can see it. All right, Will, before we let you go, 
doesn't have to be Browns related. And be careful when you say this, because usually when we just throw out a couple of players that we just absolutely love in a draft class, we end up getting to see him two times a year. Pete gave me this freaking heart and that heart attack the other day. We're oh well, maybe if the Steelers need a running back, they could just take Khalil Herbert in the third <laughs> or the fourth. And I wanted to beat the daylights out of him. Three, four players in this class that you're just a huge, huge fan of, not necessarily for the Browns, but just players that you would like. Players that I love, uh, Sertan is up there. I, I love guys who come out with with that lunch pail. You can count on them consistently. He's there. He maybe doesn't have as high of a ceiling as a Caleb Farley, et cetera, but he is reliable. He's great. He's the kind of guy who you look to and you go, yeah, this guy's going to be the starter and cornerback for our team for the next 10 years. Um, any one of those three wide receivers are just fun to watch. You can't help but root for a guy like Devonta Smith, even though he's got the, quote, questionable size. Hell, great. Let him fall to the Browns at 26. Take him in a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> so any any one of those guys are great. I'm. It's hard for me look as a Browns fan looking at the Bengals situation because it's like, I don't want him to take Sewell. I don't want him to take Chase. I don't want him to take Pitts. I don't want him to take any of these guys. Um, so, uh, yeah, those are a couple. Uh, it's really kind of scary to think about what a Jamar Chase and a Joe Burrow could do. But, hey, if Burrow doesn't have an offensive line, it doesn't matter. Um, Bingo. But, yeah, those those are a couple guys that, man, I'd, I'd love to see. I'd love to see on the Browns, but it's just not happening this year. And actually, uh, I was talking with somebody the other day about Patrick Sertan Jr. And I said, well, you know, why Alabama? And apparently, you know, when it came down to picking schools, part of the reason why his father said, hey, I think you should go to Alabama was is, hey, you're going to go to Alabama and your name ain't going to mean anything. You are going to be the next in line. They're not going to treat you like I was an NFL player. They're going to knock it all out of you and you're going to have to earn every damn thing you get. And you see that and when you brought up lunch pail, it, it brought up that story that I had just you know talked with somebody the other day about what Patrick Stan Jr. was is he is he's a legacy kid. He's got the name. He's got everything. His father was a great player within this league and went to Alabama and was humbled. It, it didn't matter. It, it, oh, it's great. You're a five star. Don't worry. I got seven of them. So, you know, nothing's going to be handed to you. It's not like your father's part of this. Your father isn't part of this program. And, you know, so that certainly when you went lunch pail. It literally lit the light in my brain about that story I'd heard about uh, Patrick Sertan Jr. the other day. Uh, Will Larrick was fantastic. Uh, folks, if you're not, make sure you check it out. Follow at capital, uh, capital W, Will Larrick. Uh, you know, questions, ideas, uh, we're going to work. I'm going to tell you right now, as soon as this is over with, we're going to push on getting Will a bigger following. Um, I've had great conversations with him. I was glad to get him on. He was 10 times better than I you know, I, I expected. Um, so it was a blast getting to sit down. Maybe we're going to talk with Will Pot perhaps again, maybe post-draft, you know, see how maybe things broke out according to his board. Make sure you, uh, you know, following Will, great football mind. And the other thing is he's a good person, great individual. And I told you, this is why I leave my DMs open is because sometimes so much gets lost within the Twitter timeline. Sometimes when you talk to people through DM, you, you talk like people. You don't talk like savages on a timeline or idiots or schmucks or trolls, whatever, whatever applies to that. So make sure you check in. Will out, and I appreciate it for joining us here. The show itself, as I always tell you, uh, Locked on Browns, follow back account, DMs are open. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, DMs are open, throw a follow over there. Whether it is iTunes, whether it is Spotify, whether it is Odyssey, make sure you are following. We don't use subscribe anymore. We use following Locked on Browns. 
five-star rating, written review, please and thank you. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LLB. Let's go Browns.